Welcome to the Reform Journal Podcast, where we're talking about faith and church, scripture and theology, as well as culture, politics, history, literature, arts, and the sciences, with thoughtful, interesting people coming at it from a generously Reformed perspective. Find us at reformjournal.com. Welcome to Reform Journal Podcast. My name is Deb Van Dynan, and I'm one of the book review editors at Reform Journal, as well as being an associate professor of English education at Hope College. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Cornelius Planinga. Neil Planinga is a senior research fellow at the Calvin Institute of Christian Worship at Calvin University. Uh, prior to this, he taught systematic theology at Calvin Seminary from 1979 to 1996. He became the Dean of the Chapel at Calvin College in 1996 and was president of Calvin Seminary from 2002 to 2011. Neil has written several books, including Not the Way It's Supposed to Be, The Christianity Today's Book of the Year in 1996, and Engaging God's World, a Christianity Today Book of the Year in 2003. His most recent book, Morning and Evening Prayers, was published by Erdman's earlier this year. In this book, Neil Planinga offers a month's worth of prayers with two for each day, one for the morning, looking forward, and one for the evening, looking back. Each prayer expresses some essential Christian longing on behalf of self and others for faith, hope, love, wisdom, gratitude, peace, yet also makes space for any state of heart or mind by rejoicing with all who rejoice and weeping with all who weep. Earnest and unassuming, Morning and Evening Prayers is for anyone seeking fellowship with God, from those who have prayed their whole lives to those who have yet to find the words. Neil, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Deb. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you. I'm excited to talk a little bit more about your book, in particular, um, using a prayer book for me is a new thing in my Christian journey, and I've used various ones um, over the last sort of year and a half. And so when I saw that your book was coming out, I was really excited and have incorporated it into my morning and evening prayers. And so just want to start by saying thank you uh, for how the prayers have blessed me in my own faith journey. So I wanted to start and just say thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Neil, one of the things I most love about the book is your introduction and the way you frame your own experiences with prayer and your reasons for using published prayers might be a new tradition for some of our readers. I'm gonna list the ones that you talk about in your introduction and wondering if sort of you wanna reflect on that in general after I read sort of the four that you highlight in the introduction. So you, you say one reason to use published prayers um, is that other people's prayers can jog you out of your ruts. Another reason is that our own spiritual lives sometimes flag. And another reason some of us go through trauma that can silence our prayers. And finally, certain forms of prayers cry out for company, for the collective. So I, I love that. And as you thought about publishing this book of prayers and your own use of published prayers, can you talk a little bit more about how those are meaningful to you and how you might encourage others in that? I've been using published prayers in my prayer life for decades. I've used John Bailey's A Diary of Private Prayer for so many years. I've probably given away, yeah, 15, 20 copies of it because I love it so much. And uh, I've also used the Book of Common Prayer, which has some beautiful prayers in it. And then, of course, all of us who are Bible readers have the Psalms. 
And we have the Lord's Prayer, and we have the prayers of Paul. Other people's prayers have been a big part of my life as a Christian. And I guess I've had it in the back of my mind for some time that maybe I would chip in sometime um, with some prayers as other people have helped me. Maybe I can help still others and so on, get good momentum going. And um, then my work at the Calvin Institute of Christian Worship has involved writing prayers. So I write some to accompany the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs within the hymnal, Lift Up Your Hearts. I've written them for worship services that the uh, Worship Institute puts on. So I've been kind of in the prayer writing mode for quite a while. And the reason I like published prayers is, as uh, you read, uh, that first they jog me out of my rut. We, we all tend to become conventional in our prayer life. So the same phrases, the same sentences, the same motives, the same themes come back again and again. We've all had the experience at our parents' dinner table or in church that we can predict what the next sentence is going to be. So uh, I like somebody else to start <clears throat> praying, thanking God for people I had forgotten to thank God for, um, praying for people whose needs are different from the ones that I encounter every day. In other words, I want others' prayers to expand my prayer life. And then, of course, we all have little fits of spiritual depression from time to time where prayer starts to feel like a chore. And I then like to lean on others to carry some of my weight when my own energy is flagging. And sometimes our troubles are serious enough that they make us mute. And then we absolutely have to have somebody else to pray for us so that our prayer life doesn't become just simply empty. Mm -hmm. And then finally, there are two billion of us Christians in the world. So I think that means that at any given time, there are hundreds of millions of other Christians praying at the same time that I am. Mm -hmm. I am a part of that fellowship. And I want uh, to use published prayers as sort of a pointer to the fact that we live in a community of prayer as Christians. I love that. Um, and in the book of prayers, you have uh, a morning prayer and an evening prayer for 31 days. And um, Neil, I'm wondering if you might be willing to just read a part of one of the prayers um, just out loud so our readers can get a sense and feel sort of what these prayers, what they're like. An evening prayer that concludes with this. Now for good friends to cheer us, for seasonal weather to envelop us, for good work to engage us, we give you thanks. For families who love us and work people who help us and wise colleagues who advise us, for hope not just of pleasure, but also of joy, I join all your children to give you hearty thanks. Before I lie down to sleep, I commend all your children to your tender care. Be present with those who watch or wake or weep tonight and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend your sick ones, good God, rest your weary ones, bless your dying ones, soothe your suffering ones, shield your joyous ones, all for your own love's sake. Amen. Amen. I've actually, I'm on my second round of reading through this book, and it's amazing how the same words, sometimes I'll remember phrases, but I feel like the words are so rich that it takes 
several rereads to live fully into them or to, to allow it to fully expand even what we're thinking about or how we're thinking about our individual days, but then collectively as well. I've had that experience with John Bailey. I've probably prayed his diary of private prayer a dozen times and it always seems fresh. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Um, can you talk a little bit about the process of writing these prayers? You've written other books, and this is a really different kind of writing. I know it, as you said earlier, it sort of expands on what you have done for other projects. But can how did you go about writing each prayer? What did you try to include in each? How did you think about them individually, but then also well, collectively as well? Well, I'll tell you one thing that sort of surprised me and delighted me, and that is that while my other books included a certain amount of arduousness. Robert Louis Stevenson said famously, I hate to write, I love to have written. And my other books, sometimes, you know, you, you get caught in a snag or it feels like you're slogging along or what have you. This one seemed to just flow. I don't know why or how. It never felt like uh, a duty. Mm -hmm. It always felt much more like uh, worship. And all I was there for was to catch the prayer and put it down hmm. and so th this one was different i the, the, i don't know some, I, this, I don't want to be too dramatic but it felt a little bit like i was uh, getting touched by god or inspired a little bit mm -hmm. so it was that and then i had a couple of goals one was that while our church worship is often nowadays relentlessly cheerful I wanted these prayers to include lament mm -hmm. for the trouble in the world, which is huge. And I wanted these prayers to face, frankly, into our sin. Mm -hmm. It's become unfashionable to confess our sin because uh, what will seekers think and won't it drive the kids away? And you, you can't be a biblical Christian without confessing your sin. And the grace of God doesn't make a bit of sense without seeing what is needed for our forgiveness, for our justification, for our healing. So I wanted some lament. I wanted to face into our sins. And then I wanted to uh, cast the net as wide as possible for the things to be thankful for. Mm -hmm. To include, for example, some of the sights and sounds and smells and tastes of God's good creation. Mm -hmm. To include people who did their work today. They inspected elevators and cranes, so we're not going to get injured by them. I wanted to thank God for them. I wanted to be sure I was aware of the company of Christians, the, the big web of dependence in which we all live. You know, John Calvin's illustration of the fact that we are all dependent on each other and live in this blessed web of dependence was a loaf of bread on his table. Who had to do what in order to get that loaf there? Some, somebody had to have some seeds and had to have gotten them someplace. Somebody had to harrow the ground to prepare it for the seeds being buried in it. Somebody had to then cover the hole and start to water it. Uh, somebody had to tend the plants as they were growing. Somebody had to harvest the grain. Somebody had to grind the grain. Somebody had to add water and flour and shape a loaf. Somebody had to bake that loaf. Somebody had to distribute it. Somebody had to sell it. All those people 
are involved in getting a loaf of bread on Calvin's table, and he was mightily aware of it. I love that in him. And I wanted the book to reflect some of that web of dependence. I love the specificity. You've already listed some of them. I think in some of the prayers, there's occupations mentioned. And I, that really spoke to me as well. You mentioned the word expanding, but maybe even I remember at times reading some prayers and thinking, I don't think I ever would have thought of that or yeah. put that within that context. So I, I, yes, it does work in that way. Um, that, that's, that's part of the blessed web of dependence that we are all in. We help each other with these things. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, so so true. Um, I also, you mentioned it, but this idea of expanding gratitude in, in the tiny things, right? In the very touch, taste, smell. And then I think for me, the meaning, one of the most meaningful parts has been reading the prayers in the evening and using that time to reflect on my day and yeah. the aspect of forgiveness, realizing for the yeah. things I've done and the things I haven't done, yeah. And, you know, using my evening as a way to look back. And I think that's a really important element um, of our, of what we need to do in our conversations with God, be gratitude and think about all these things as well, but then also have this time of reflection um, to ask for God's forgiveness. And to be balanced. So on the one hand, yes, we want to face into what didn't go well today mm -hmm. and ask God's forgiveness for it. But we also want to reflect on what did go well today. The kind word we were able to say to a stranger that seemed to really help, the hand reaching out to somebody that needed it. And I want to say, um, God, this went well today. I want you to iron this into my character mm. and make it a permanent part of me. Mm -hmm. So you don't simply confess your sins. You also reflect on the things that went well mm -hmm. and ask for them to be reinforced. Mm -hmm. Yes, so true. One of the questions I was going to ask you, and I feel like you've already answered it, but just um, how does your Reformed theology come through in these prayers? And if anyone has been listening to the previous, your previous response, I think it's just infused throughout it. Yeah, one, one obvious way is um, to reflect on the fact that in the Reformed tradition, gratitude is the main motive for the new life. Mm -hmm. So uh, we do good because we are grateful for having been done good. And so casting the net very wide on things that we have to be thankful for is to me a staple of the Reformed tradition. Um, being willing to face our sins. It's maybe a cliche that Reformed people are awfully good at being sinners. And um, in fact, believe in total depravity so much they think they have to practice it. But, um, I think frank confession of sins is a very reformed move, but then never by itself, uh, never abstractly, always inside the cradle of God's grace. We have been died for. We are loved. We confess our sins to God because they are safe with him. Our secrets are safe with God. We confess sin only from inside the cradle of grace. That is vital. So sin and grace, as with, spoken with a Reformed accent, uh, lots of reflection on gratitude, and then perhaps an overall awareness that God is God and not we ourselves. So um, humility before God. You know, if I were leading in prayer, I would um, try to let my tone of voice reflect 
that I am speaking with my infinite superior. So I don't think we stroll into God's presence. I, I think we walk on our own two feet to meet our maker and savior, and that we are constantly aware that God is our superior and that other human beings are our peers, our colleagues, our brothers and sisters. Mm. You, um, you, you were just talking sort of about a way to approach these prayers. And in the introduction, you suggest other ways as well for readers to use this book. Um, and I'm curious, as you've heard from readers of this book, and I know that you had other people look at the book as you were in process of it, um, did you hear or have you thought of other ways? And I'll, I'll share the suggestions from the introduction, but how might you suggest readers use this book or approach the different prayers? Some of the ones that you talk about in the introduction are breaking up prayers that maybe seem too long, yeah. um, using the empty spaces on the pages for jotting down scripture or additional praises or petitions or thanksgiving. Do you have any other suggestions for readers of this book? Well, I can only tell you what some of my email and text uh, correspondence has been like from especially pastors who have been using the book. Uh, they are giving it to the young people who are making profession of faith. Mm -hmm. So now they have a prayer book as well as a Bible. Mm -hmm. They are giving it to members of their council because for a church to be healthy, council members have to be deep. Mm. And pastors want to encourage the inner life of their council members. So um, I've heard from parents who have given it to children and children who have given it to parents and brothers and sisters. Books like this often get distributed by word of mouth mm. or by somebody just uh, giving somebody a copy of it and saying, here, this has helped me maybe it'll help you. Those are, those are great suggestions for our readers, not only to purchase it for yourself, but to gift it uh, to someone in particular in support of their own deepening of their faith journey. Yeah. And I'll mention one other thing. These prayers have been, in my own prayer life, I sometimes use other people's prayers that have been published and prepared. But sometimes, like everybody else, I pray extemporaneously, and then those prayers are not composed. They just well up. But if I'm going to lead others in prayer, I've got to give that some thought first. Preparation, the person who leads the congregation in prayer needs to prepare. Uh, otherwise, what happens is you lapse into cliche or you start repeating uh, God's name over and over, Lord, 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 Lord. Prayers can fall into patterns that, objectively speaking, can sound pretty annoying. What you want to do if you're going to lead somebody in prayer or a congregation in prayer is to do some prep. Yeah. Do you have any other recommended resources? Um, I know you've already mentioned Diary of Private Prayer. Uh, yeah. one, one that I have found that I use as well is Every Moment Holy, published by Rabbit Room Press. Uh, those yeah. are sort of prayers for just various moments in uh, your life and on different occasions. But for those of our um, listeners and uh, readers of Reform Journal, uh, who want to sort of dig deeper into prayers and into, as they think about preparing prayers to share with others, what resources would you recommend? The, the Book of Common Prayer, e either the version used by Anglicans or the version used by American Episcopalians, is a bottomless um, trove of, there are just gorgeous prayers in it, ones that have been around for centuries and ones that um, penetrate. So I've 
uh, been through the Book of Common Prayer, I don't know how many times, and John Bailey and the prayers of the Psalms, I think that prayers in the Psalms in personal devotions uh, can be especially profitable when read out loud to yourself. So if you do it in the morning, you go to some part of the house where you won't disturb anybody else's sleep and you read a part of a psalm out loud, or if it's been set to music, even sing. There's something extremely vulnerable about hearing your own imperfect voice, especially in the morning before it's warmed up, and letting your vulnerability be part of your posture in addressing God. I hadn't thought about using singing and my own vulnerability of of singing as a as part of the whole prayer and worship experience with God. Yeah, I found it's very helpful. Well, thank you, um, Neil. I, I have to ask. I, I use your book, Engaging God's World, with my senior seminar students at Hope College, and I'm I'm just curious. What is your next project? Is it a book? Another book? Is it continued work with churches and developing prayers? Uh, another prayer book? Well, um, the people that um, supervise me, want me to think about another prayer book, but what I'm actually deeply involved in right now is writing a book on gratitude. It's a buoyant emotion. Mm-hmm. It's in the Reformed view, the main motive of the new life. There's a lot to be said about it. What tends to stimulate it? How you can stimulate it yourself, in yourself? Why it is right and proper and fitting? You know, th- this is one of those blessed discoveries you make as you mature as a Christian that doing what's right, so giving thanks to God for all God's gifts, doing what's right also turns out to be what's healthy. Grateful people do better. The sky is bluer to them. Their blood pressure is lower. Their sleep is sounder. Gratitude is one of the healthiest things you can possibly take on. And it's just this blessed coincidence that doing what's right and proper and fitting is also what tends to make you thrive. It's just wonderful. Well, I can't wait to read that, Neil. And I know our Reform Journal readers and listeners will be excited about that as well. So uh, we'll be uh, watching out for news about that book. I think that will be an important contribution. And I look forward to that. Neil, our episode is coming to a close. I just want to thank you so much for the gift of your time, for the gift of your words, for the gift of you modeling your own faith journey and um, sharing with us ways that we can extend and we can rely on and we can share with other believers through our prayers, through our morning prayers and through our evening prayers. So thank you for all of it. You're welcome, Deb, and God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Reform Journal podcast. Be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, share this podcast. And until next time, may the peace of Christ be with you.